Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. And I'm mentioning this because things come up for us as healthcare providers. And, and this year has been me saying, okay, this is really hard and it stinks. And sometimes, you know, it's like, ah, you know, it's not like every minute I'm going through this. I'm just this sort of picture perfect, whatever. But I will say what I've really realized through this is that, um, I have also seen it as a wake-up call to even care for myself further. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've used this time also as a time to really slow down and listen and and fine-tune what is needed within me. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Rachel Oz. Rachel is a psychologist, an author, and an art playgroundist. Rachel loves listening to, connecting with, and highlighting the beauty in people. Rachel does this so colorfully in how she dresses and in how she illustrates her books. Most recently, Rachel launched a book called The Relationship Book a soulful transformational and artistic inventory of your connective life. And on this episode, we talk about the power in nurturing relationships, starting with oneself and being true to oneself as an antidote to minimize one's burnout risk and maximize their fulfillment in their practice. You don't want to miss this episode. So grab your drink of choice and join us. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. I love what you're wearing today. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I love the colors. Thank you. It's all soft too. So it just feels like some really nice self-care. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's cozy and inviting. So I love Mm -hmm. it. Thank you. Uh, What's your favorite color, Rachel? Altogether, I would say green. I mean, I, I haven't really met a color I don't like, but I think Green is my tippy top favorite. 
It's interesting because I've been leaning towards green a lot lately, buying a lot of green clothing myself ah, okay. and accessories. So yes. really cool. We are yeah. vibing. Yes, we are. I'm, I'm so excited you're here. I've been looking forward to chatting with you. You're a psychologist, you're an author, you're, you know, you're a brand influencer with your clothing as well, um, from what I see. And to me, you just symbolize authenticity and someone who's comfortable Mm -hmm. in their own skin Mm. and and, um, hold that space for others. So I'm excited to chat with you today. Well, it's one of my favorite things for people to be invited home into themselves to just the thing that hopefully, you know, we knew when we were young, mm-hmm. right? Just grab the whatever socks that look good and put those on and not have to think too hard about what will people think or, you know. That's so true, actually. I never thought about it that way from childhood, basically, like being yes. told what to wear and, you know, hmm, interesting. We're gonna have a good conversation. <laughs> But first, I'm going to scale you back just a little bit. Can you tell our listeners more about yourself and kind of what brought you to where you are today? Sure. Let's see. So, well, you had mentioned I'm a psychologist. And I think since I was a little girl, you know, my favorite thing has been connection with people. And I think my very favorite is one-on-one, but just honoring practice of just being in someone else's presence and listening to them and hearing what brings them joy, what brings them pain, like what's real for them, what are their real stories, what matters to them, what's going on for their heart. Like this is what gets my attention. Mm -hmm. And so that is actually a big part of me. And that spills over to my writing and my art making that all of it is inspired by the sort of deep, real beauty that I spent and uh, witness in people and animals and the natural world around me. And then, you know, not everything is super serious, right? Because I love to play. I love. Yes. I was going to comment on that. Yeah. Yeah. I love to play in colors and to laugh and to have fun with friends and, you know, yeah, all the things. And it all ties back to connection. I I mean, I think to you, I think I've read as well that you're a playground artist. Is that? Yeah. Am I I saying that right? it, you're close. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I, correct um, me. I made up a word. Well, it's correcting me with a made up correcting <laughs> you with a made up word. So, you know. Uh, but my made up word is art playgroundist. And so that just means that when I make art, it feels like I'm on the playground again and I'm running across the field with my friends. The wind is in my hair and we're free. You know what I love about this? And I was thinking about the word today, playground you know, in in preparation for chatting with you. And I've never thought about the the two words, like play and ground, and how, you know, one enhances the other in a way and how they're connected in a way, like just Mm. the grounding of of being at play and how for me, that makes me feel most grounded, like when I'm in that element, uh, whether it's artistic, or whether I'm doing something recreational that I'm really enjoying, I just find that 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 grounds me. Yes. Oh my goodness, that is so interesting. Like, and it is as <laughs> obvious as maybe that might seem with the word playground. It's, I've never I, thought I'm, of it before. Same. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Thank you. Okay. So, okay. Right? I didn't know if it ever crossed your mind either, but it's, I've literally been thinking about this conversation, not 
so much intellectually, but just having fun with it. So, and then I was just thinking about the word and, and kind of how that's a big passion of yours as well. And a part Mm. of who you are. So, Mm. yeah. Right. And so as we play, do we find the ground? And as we find the ground, do we find the play? Exactly. Yeah. They kind of interplay. Yeah. They interplay. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful, Jennifer. Um. So Rachel, this podcast being a podcast for healthcare providers, you being one, um, and I love how you've found what works for you and you found what brings you peace, what brings you joy um, in your life. But has it always been that way in this profession for you? Because there are people who don't feel burned out. There are professionals out there who've been able to minimize that risk and who are quite happy in their careers. Um, Have you had any issues with burnout or any moral injury in your practice or in your mm. profession that you want to share? Mm. I I would say that for me, it's, I haven't had like a classic burnout, but the things that I would point to that is a little bit close to that language mm-hmm. would, for, there's maybe, well, the first thing I think about is er, very early in my practice, because now I've been doing this almost 30 years, but my first few years of practice, you know, I did some of the things that I thought were what a therapist looked like, right? Mm -hmm. So like, or as a, I don't know, as what I thought a female therapist would look like, like wear pantyhose and like a very quote professional looking outfit. And um, have at that time, we didn't have calendars on our phones or even have the cell phones, but, mm, yeah. um, but like have my calendar, the paper calendar, just be the cover, just black professional looking, like mm-hmm. just this tabla russa, like just this blank state slate. And I began to bring more and more of my authentic being into the room over time. And I think that's one of the things that keeps my practice for me juicy and alive. Amazing. You know, that um I realized no, like I just remember years ago being in a Barnes and Noble and seeing a Mary Inglebright calendar, which just has a bunch of colorful, whimsical, sweet, affirming, you know, illustrations and little words throughout there. And I thought, well, that looked professional. Oh, but it I want it. It makes me my heart happy. It's like mm-hmm. the little girl picking out the socks she wants to wear, you know. Exactly. And I and I was like, well, I'm gonna do it. And more and more over time, I just find if I'm asking of my clients this or hoping this for my clients, then the least I can do is show up and shine that, reflect that to them as well. And so, you know, sometimes even with my outfits, I'll hear from my clients, like, I look forward to seeing what you're going to wear or, or that inspires me, or that's somehow part of the therapy or, you know, and so, um, and of course, our physical appearance isn't the only way to do that, right? I, I think that also that over the years, me doing more and more writing, mm-hmm. it's affected my speech. So as I said, I, okay, art playground is, that's a made up word. So I will sometimes string words together in a way that might be pull me or a little bit of a made up word or find a way in the way I speak to um, care for the person who's in front of me 
And I think that's me also being authentic with how I speak. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I love words, but the stringing them together and the, um, I think poems aren't just for writing. I think they're for um, reflecting back the light we see in each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just lots of, okay, so this is just a whole rabbit trail, but yeah, go for it though. About what helps to not get burned out. Yeah, you know, what's, what's kept, what's sustained you over the years? And, and I wouldn't even say sustained you because in chatting with you, I feel like you've, you're invigorated by your practice. You're invigorated in the integrity that you bring to it, I mm. think, you know, is what helps with that. I, so I think that's what I'm hearing Yes, is that your integrity has been a big part of that. And it wasn't easy finding that at the beginning, right? And um, making that decision to bring more of yourself uh, your full self to your practice, but I started to. Yes. Yes. And And of course, knowing it's ultimately all about the client. It's just that I want to do what I can to make me most alive to show up and be present. And I think that liberates the client as well in, in doing that. I, that's the way I see it. That's the way. Yeah. And I I feel like that's that you've been successful with Mm. at this point. Wow. So to minimize your burnout risk, to Mm -hmm. not fall down that rabbit hole that some of us can get lost in, right? Mm -hmm. When we're just in the thick of things and life's crazy and things happen in waves. And, you Mm -hmm. know, how do you, how do you maintain your stillness and how do you maintain your play and Mm -hmm. how do you maintain your peace and, you know, on the inside? It's a great question. And it's a relevant one to all of us in these roles. Yeah, Um, I would say that this year, um, I've kind of sometimes we learn lessons because we almost have to, you know, like a health issue comes up or whatever. And then we um, are like, oh, oh, shoot, I've been avoiding looking at that. And now I have to or, you know, so true. So I will. Yeah. So this year, and so, and of course we're human, right? We bring these bodies and these hearts and souls and, you know, that need our care and that it's just an ongoing process. But this year I was faced with, um, which I haven't had this that I know of in my life, but um, I got diagnosed with a thyroid disorder called thyroiditis. That's not treatable. Um, and it lasts for about four months on average, and then your body tends to repair itself. And so what that meant is I was super wiped out. Mm-hmm. And it's still not all the way better, but definitely getting better. And I'm mentioning this because things come up for us as healthcare providers. And and this year has been me saying, okay, this is really hard and it stinks. And sometimes, you know, it's like, ah, you know, it's not like every minute I'm going through this. I'm just this sort of picture perfect, whatever. But I will say what I've really realized through this is that I have also seen it as a wake up call to even care for myself further. Mm -hmm. So you know, I've used this time also as a time to really slow down and listen and and fine tune what is needed within me. So, for example, some of the adjust new adjustments I've made this year, and this is all relevant to me as a psychologist and what I offer my clients. Right. 
is to first prioritize. I think before this year, I would get, get out my calendar, schedule clients, and then wrap around the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Like if there's something I wanted to do, really, yeah. okay, yeah. then I'd schedule that after that. But now I'm going in the other order. Mm. So for example, there's a Qigong class on Wednesday mornings, which is similar to Tai Chi, just this very gentle, you know, body movements, breath work, you know, just this lovely, it's very poetic language, which speaks to me too. As we move, it's like scooping up the ocean and raising it to the stars. You know what I'm saying? Like, love it. Like, I love this. (laughs) Yes. Um, So I have prioritized that. So now I'm not scheduling clients on Wednesday mornings before 11. Um, That's one example. Um, and there's, um, you know, because of my energies with this physical stuff, I'm now meditating at least 15 minutes twice a day. And mm-hmm. that's prioritized once in the morning, mid morning and mid afternoon, um, to just close my eyes and have that sort of just beautiful care and self-regulation and sust- sustenance. And then I've realized, like, I need, like, another circle in my life of a holding place for me. And so I've worked on creating that. Like, there's just been these things that are going to be building blocks as I'm just getting better and better anyway to better sustain me. Yeah. And then also, again, clients even get even better attention because I'm in this such like playground okay yeah. ground like I'm I'm like working even more on my ground yes that's what it sounds like through your meditation yeah. through your exercise yeah. and movement mm-hmm. what so do I think you... those are disciplines right to keep yeah. us afloat what a, what where do relationships fit in in your life How, um I'd like to kind of go in that direction just a little bit as well if if you mm, don't mind because sure. I imagine you know, we, I imagine we can't do it all alone, right? You know, serving others, serving ourselves. Um, And I I think I, in the theme that I hear on this podcast a lot is connection. And you kind of talked about that at the very beginning, actually, that that's kind of where everything started for you is connecting with others, even on a one-to-one level. So how do you prioritize relationships in your life? And how do they serve as a form, I guess, of self-care in a way and in a form of um, resilience? Mm, yeah. Well, you know, I, the relationship with myself is a real one mm-hmm. that I've been starting to share with you and with listeners about tending to. And then there is, um, for me, I have two sons in their 20s. And I think, again, through the stuff of this year, it's really made clear to me my priorities. And mm-hmm. so, um, like one of my sons, you know, I just stopped every almost everything yesterday and just spent hours like being nearby, like, okay, I'll be in the room, I'm near you, like with stuff going on. I just think that um it's so easy to get like I can be very practical and task oriented and and I have just this year sort of committed to being 
even more present and prioritizing the relationships because that's also authentic for my heart that that's I think that, you know, there's studies too, like at the end of our lives, if we know it's coming, (laughs) when we look back on our lives, like love is one of the only things, you know, there's just a small handful of things that's going to ultimately matter to us about our lives and love and connection is one of the big ones. Um, mm -hmm. I will say this, I mean, out of shameless self-promotion, but also out of like, this is just a way I've been organizing my thoughts, like through the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, I wrote and illustrated a book called The Relationship Book. And I'm saying it now because I organized it into different chapters of different kinds of relationships with self, with food, with clothing, Mm -hmm. with people and animals and community and divinity and, you know. Because out of the also the pandemic time, it was so clear that like when we're isolated, our mental health doesn't do well. Yeah. And and then being so moved at how hard we were working to find our way back to each other. Like I was just gonna was, say that. I was gonna say that too, is that after the what I don't know if you can call it an after the pandemic, but um, no, we still have it. Yeah, yes. and, you know, yeah. But like in this period right now that we're in, yes. you yes. know, even even though things have simmered a bit, let's say, mm-hmm. I find that's the struggle is how do you get back to connecting again? Yes. Because I think there's an interplay of a lot of fear for people again, yeah. you know, anxiety around connection too, because during the pandemic, it was a negative thing to be close to others and right. you know, in proximity anyway. So I think just nurturing that again for some is difficult. And I see it in some family dynamics, you know, parents and children, you know, some children maybe being held back from playing from parents because the parents are so worried about them getting sick, right? Things like that. And I think we're, so this is the period I find now where we're, I feel like we're almost feeling the, the impacts of the lack of connection that people had during the pandemic, for sure. Yes, I I totally agree. And I I think that that's where also, you know, maybe, you know, it's deciding if this is where you're at. Okay, well, what are just some small ways I can, if if there's some real fear there, which is not completely unjustified. Exactly. Right. Um, But what are some smaller creative ways that I could feel you know, mostly comfortable, but reconnecting, like, how can I, how can I be intentional about it? Maybe that's, Mm -hmm. maybe that's the key is how to stay intentional. Exactly. And how do you, like, would you, I wouldn't say one is more important than the other, but would you say that a foundation of connection with self just kind of maybe as you outlined in your book too, Mm -hmm. um, is that kind of fundamental to connection with others? Or do you think they can be independent of each other? I think that um, it is foundational as well as with self and with what, what feels like something is bigger than self. So if it's God, spirit, nature, you get the idea, universe, that love, you know, like what I think connecting with self and also with some kind of bigness Mm-hmm. getting your ground yeah. yeah right yeah so that you can play yeah, definitely <laughs> and trusting that 
Like, you know, I, even again, for me this year that I had to get my ground that I, with my health and, and listen and be in a lot of stillness and quiet. Mm. And so out of that listening place, I eventually really heard some priorities emerge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, connection um, was one of the top ones. So, so also I would say making space for stillness and listening and doing whatever helps facilitate that. Mm-hmm. So if it is going on walks or time in nature or journaling, or we could keep, you know, or seeing a counselor or a spiritual director or somebody where you hear yourself thinking, you know, yeah. to find your way home to your heart and to co-creating your life. It's beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. And when you said like higher self, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but that is so fundamental for me as well. Okay. Yes. It's something that I, I mean, for me, it's faith. Yes. And for me, it's, you know, I journal, I write, those are the ways I find stillness. Mm-hmm. Um, meditation twice a day like that's unbelievable to me oh. <laughs> I, I'm not there <laughs> yeah yeah I could maybe do like five minutes a day um uh, yes. that I'm still working on but yeah, it's, it's I, a big thing yeah it, it really is yeah. and so you know in the healthcare space as providers we're always wrapped up in what other people need right oh, so yes. you know and the, as, as women too we're so Exactly. And, Mm. you know, some of the research shows that it's almost expected too of women to empathize more to, you know, provide more time for um, and something that I I think I did a podcast on it a month ago, even last Mm. year, maybe. And it was Mm -hmm. quite eye opening for me, because for me, it's all about connection and communication as a form of intervention and healing uh, for patients too, as part of my practice as a physio. And yet my, my focus is often on physical rehab, but I, I've, I've learned over the years how valuable the intangible piece of connection is so therapeutic mm. as well. What I wanted to ask you is how do we, even in professionally speaking, how do we, when we're consumed by the 24-7 operation of healthcare, how would you recommend people can begin to find themselves? Mm. Uh, you kind of touched on it a bit but if you can go just a little bit more into mm. it um mm. yeah and so, too. right and so that it doesn't drain their relationships even at home too with others because sometimes mm. I hear that as well like their personal mm. relationships don't suffer I'm going to start by ta- mentioning something and it I swear sure. it relates so the yeah. the parallel that I thought about was when I started writing it was like well where can I find time to write Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my schedule's busy. And what helped me to get, you know, the relationship book is my fourth book, but like, especially with my first one and not really having a like knowing how can this work for me, I began by creating quarterly, uh, long weekend retreats for myself oh, wow. um, to just sort of jumpstart the writing. Um, and then once I had momentum, you know, with like the idea, then I kind of wanted to like, would just squirrel away and find time outside of that. Like, okay, now, not that I'm recommending this, but for me with my first book, I started waking up at 4am, like, I want to write. And I would just get out of bed 
and get yeah, writing. I've had moments um, like that too. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And so I think there's something about, first of all, so now that's the parallel, but when mm-hmm. it comes to, um, we're not talking, your question wasn't, how do you find time to write a book? It was like, how do you find time to have a life? Yeah, to, basically. Yeah, to write your life. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if there is a clue there about, well, maybe it could start with, can you plan a weekend to yourself or an afternoon to yourself and maybe even regularly, whatever that would mean, whether it's quarterly or whatever that would mean. And during that time, maybe it could be a creative time or maybe it would be a listening to your lifetime, uh, you know, of, okay, I'm going to bring my journal and I'm going to, whatever the things are, Mm-hmm. that you would want to involve in a weekend like what would even this question if you had a whole weekend to live listen to your life what would you do yeah what would that look like maybe it's like well then i'd spend an hour at the ocean or in front of a lake or i'd definitely do some walking or i would what would you include in the weekend mm-hmm. and start with that almost try to build momentum in so that you are creating stillness to hear because our heart, here's the thing our hearts know. Mm-hmm. So if you can create enough momentum of stillness to listen, you don't even need anyone to tell you how to do it because you're out of the depths of your heart. You'll know. Yeah. I couldn't have said that better. Mm. It's, so, it's so true. And it might change, right? For someone. And it might but change. So listening to yourself, I think is, is huge. And your that intuition, right? With that inner voice that we never hear because we're so caught up in our lives, what that really needs. So that's one of the practices I've been trying to really, and it's so difficult to do sometimes, but I've been trying to pay attention to my inner being and, yes. you know, where that's guiding me. And if something, you know, gives me, you know, an upset feeling or a feeling of, you know, unwellness, then I know that's not for me, or I'm out of integrity in some way. And then my work is to figure what that's all about, too. Exactly. Yeah, but I do believe that momentum, though, I really trust in the power of momentum and flow. And I think play helps you get there for sure. And, Mm. and, you know, artistry, for sure, as well as connection to kind of create more time in a way. Yeah, kind of goes with that quote where it's like busy people always find time or always make time something along those lines. Mm. You know, I really do believe like there's an unlocking there and a flow that you achieve, you know, you're waking up at 4am. Yeah, that might sound really early to someone. But for you, it's like a calling. And, you know, it's not something you would just, you know, close your eyes and go back to bed on. It's just an urge. Yeah, it's (laughs) almost like if you have a major crush on someone and you're yeah. up late talking to them, it's not a burden. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, That's so no, true. Oh, I so love that analogy. Crushing. That's yeah, actually yeah. the best analogy. That is so true. Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> that makes everything so much more clear to me. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us where people can connect with you, Rachel, and where they oh. can Yeah, where they can find your book. So my website is probably the best sort of portal to be able to get to 
anything about me and it's my name which is Rachel Oz and a way to remember the spelling for my last name is it's the beginning of awesome so yes. it's a w e s <laughs> racheloz.com so if you just go to racheloz.com um then you can click you know on the upper bar you know those there's all the words shop or blog or about <laughs> or counseling whatever you know it's all there Beautiful. Well, thank yeah. you so much for your time, for being here and for sharing yourself and your story and your experiences with us. We really appreciate it. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward. And I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes. And you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support. support.